Turning into Jumpy Ellie's basketball show Hosted by a guy called Jumpy Ellie Tuning into Jumpy Ellie's basketball show At JumpyEllie.com This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. As always, letting you know everything that's going on in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. Thanks to everybody that tunes in, whether it's YouTube, um, iTunes, slash Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music. A couple things we're going to hit up today. We're going to talk a little bit about... Um, the NBA getting back to a start, um, new season started yesterday, and is it a good idea to not have any hub cities or bubbles set up? Is this going to be best for the league going forward? We'll talk about that. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Mets perspective offseason, which I've touched on a couple times before, but I have my doubts. I feel like I'm going to give a fair and balanced account of what I expect to happen and what I'd like to see happen. Um, and before we get into the perspective football draft, which is coming up in the New York Jets, I wanted to spend 10 seconds talking about Festivus. The reason that I don't celebrate or care about Festivus is if I'm going to celebrate a holiday that some random dude just came up with, I'm going to invent and celebrate my own holiday. But if you follow the New York football Jets, and their game last Sunday. First of all, congratulations to a team with players that give everything they can to try to go out there and win a football game. Obviously, I've hinted of what my pet peeves are, and I can't stand for the life of me any fan base that roots for their own team to lose. Now, the thought was is that this football season is set up for the Jets to go 0-16, and and if they do that, They'd have a great chance to get the number one overall pick so they could get Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson to be their franchise-changing quarterback. And I'm okay with that thought process up to that point. But I'm a sports fan. You're a sports fan. We may not root for the same sports teams, but anybody that's listening to this program is probably a sports fan, probably has one team that they root for and give every bit of their heart and soul to. Whether you watch them on TV, whether before this pandemic you went out there and got season tickets or went to a certain amount of games each year, you invest in that team's off season of what they've done and what they're doing to try to get better. And every day the new season starts or every year that a new season starts, you believe that there's a chance that that team could go out there and win the whole thing, win a championship. And if and when that happens, which we know some of us fans don't ever see a championship, some fans see championships a lot more often than others. And you should appreciate that. You should enjoy that. You should embrace each one of their moments because they don't last forever. But... You invest every bit of your heart to want to see that team do well. And while there might be a little bit of sense if the Jets 
lost their last three games, lost last week to the Rams, lost their last two weeks as they're coming up. They got Cleveland and they got the Patriots. If the Jets finish 0-16, yes, Trevor Lawrence will be available to them with the number one overall pick. But you basically sold your sports cheering soul to the devil. And that's what you have. So how could you be taken seriously as a sports fan if you have actually rooted for your team to lose? And tell me, I mean, if you're watching the show right now, if you're listening to the show in any way, shape or form, and you regularly root for your team to lose, then maybe you can build up your own group and say, hey, this is what we do. We have rooted for our teams to lose. And you, John Pielli, who's so profound about the nerve you could possibly have for rooting against your own sports team are in the minority. And that's the question I'm going to ask for you. Am I in the minority? Because I think it is in a worse taste of being a sports fan to ever root for your team to lose. Considering everything that the average sports fan invests in it. I understand there's frustration. I understand when a season gets out of hand, let's say the Jets is there 0 and 8, 0 and 9, 0 and 10. Every loss puts them further and further away from any sort of prosperity. And you may have an apathetic value. And here's a thing I'm going to do. I'm going to separate rooting for your team to lose and have an apathy. If you're apathetic, you don't care. It's probably because you feel the hurt inside. And we understand in relationships that we have formed with our own favorite sports teams, there are deep feelings. There's feelings of love. There's feelings of hate. There's feelings of disdain when things aren't going well. You could get a little, I don't know, a little, a little uh, overboard and pompous and arrogant and thinking your team is better than it really is. And then you get to the point when the season's lost, you start to get towards apathy. Apathy is okay as long as it doesn't turn to actually rooting for your team to lose. Now, there's things that maybe the NFL could consider, some sort of lottery system. The NBA does it. They use it and it works out. The NHL uses it because in both of those sports, there's been implicit proof that there's teams that are losing on purpose or there's teams that decide that their better players are just aren't going to play for the rest of the year. They're going to play in the NBA, a bunch of G leaguers. They could say, we're not tanking. We just want to get a look at these younger players when you know that those younger players don't give them a chance to compete or win many games on a basketball court. Now, the NFL is a different sport for a lot of different reasons. And what I'm going to get into here is the reason why I don't think there's ever going to be a football team when it comes down to the players that are actually going to go out there and tank. I don't think the Jets were tanking at any point. I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars are tanking. Sometimes you have a lack of talent. And from an organization, whether it's the owner, whether it's the team president, the general manager, they may have assembled a team with the thought 
that the team may lose as many games as possible and may be the uh, major league version of the Cleveland Indians. If they finish last place, then maybe they can go move to Miami like owner Rachel Phelps would like. But when it gets down to the coach, the coach is not only coaching for his job, even in a situation where he may not be staying there very long, he may be on the hot seat. It may be very almost to a point where it's going to be a fact that the coach is going to be fired on Black Monday. That coach still wants another job. And if that coach is known to go out there and try to lose and not care enough about winning, that's going to impact that person's job down the road. Now, the reasons that the players don't tank is they, in addition to their own future, respect from other teams. You know, I'm not going to trust a player that isn't playing a game on a level. I'm not going to trust a player to want to bring into my organization that isn't playing a game 100%. There's the health and safety aspect of being a pro football player. And there isn't a pro football player that isn't going to speak up and say that they have no choice but to give every last bit of what they got on that football field. Because if they let up and they take a hit, that hit changes the rest of their life and they have to deal with brain damage and a potential of CTE. And we know a, a pro football player's career can end in a heartbeat. And then there's monetary value that's lost with that. So many injuries happen in the National Football League that aren't intentional. So many injuries happen in the National Football League that are just random. So if you're going to put yourself in a position as a pro football player to get hurt by not trying, I promise you this, 100% of all pro football players on a 50-man roster in the National Football League are putting forth the best effort that they can. And that's why I don't believe that there's tanking that exists in the National Football League. But I do believe in fans that quit on their own team. I believe that there's fans that get apathetic after a certain point of the season when things are not going their way. And while that is all well and good, you are an insult to the rest of the fans that root for the same team as you if you root for your team to lose. And if things worked out and you say, wow, well, one of the positive things about having a worst record in the National Football League this year would be the probability that you could go out there and draft Trevor Lawrence and have him be the franchise quarterback down the road. You allow that to just happen. You don't root for it to happen. You don't root for your team to lose. And honestly, like like I've, I've thought – and I always think about etiquette when it comes to speaking. I think about etiquette when it comes to posting things up on social media. But there was three distinct times where I almost went overboard and went the route of name calling. And I'm not going to name call. I can accept name calling my way. But from a, a professional standpoint, which is what I consider myself, I don't resort to name calling. But if you root for your team to lose, you are a, if you root for your team to lose, you are a, if you root for your team to lose, you are a, three times, I wanted to put that point out there, but I'm not going to resort to name calling. 
but it's certainly implied. I have no issue with implying it. I don't have any issue implying in how much of an embarrassment it is to be a fan of any sports team and look the other fans in the eye and say, I root for the same team as you, but I root for my team to lose. And here's, here's a word I don't use too often because I don't believe in it. The word karma. And in my opinion, the word karma implies that you're actually taking some solace and gratitude and happiness in somebody else's misfortune, which is not what I believe in. But I believe that there's something involved in the fact that the Jets fans that are rooting for the Jets to lose so that they could get Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback out of Clemson, didn't deserve him in the first place. And the reason that the Jets beat the Rams, which, by the way, was the same reason that any team could beat any team on a given Sunday, is because there were too many Jets fans that were rooting for the Jets to lose. And if you're a Jets fan, you could bleed, you know, green and white till you die. You're a lousy fan if you root for your team to lose. You didn't deserve Trevor Lawrence if you were rooting for your team to lose. And guess what? You got what you deserved. This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the Passball Show, JohnPielli.com, and JohnPielli LLC is prohibited. Any commercial or other use of the program, such as by charge and admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. So I was thinking about the New York Mets offseason, and we brought this up a couple of programs ago. And the thought has been, and it's positive, that the Mets probably had their best opportunity out of every team in Major League Baseball this offseason. Steve Cohen has come in. He's purchased the Mets. We know about how many billions of dollars this man's worth. We know about the exorbitant price that he paid for the franchise. And because of that, the value of all the other Major League Baseball franchises are going to go up. Prosperity should be on its way for the New York Mets. Steve Cohen hired Sandy Alderson, an executive that he has full trust in, pretty similar to the amount of trust that Nelson Doubleday had in Frank Cashin. Both owners had something in common. They both understood that they weren't trained in how to run a baseball team. In other words, all the secrecies and important tasks of running a major league baseball team was not their expertise. They had the ability to fund the team, to purchase the team, to own the team, but they weren't going to run the day-to-day operations of the baseball team. And I give Steve Cohen credit for identifying that. Similarly to the way I gave Nelson Doubleday credit in 1980 when he purchased the New York Mets from the pacing group. Now here's where I'm a little confused because I think the Mets have the legitimate opportunity right now to own this offseason. I think they have the opportunity to come out with the best players in free agency at each position. They have the ability to make any trade that they want because of their ability to spend in free agency and should 
blow past the luxury tax threshold and have the highest payroll in Major League Baseball. I don't think they should spend irresponsibly, but I think they should target the absolute best players at each position and make it without a doubt that the Mets are going to be the team to beat in not only the National League, but in all of Major League Baseball for the 2021 season. As a Mets fan for the past 30 plus years, I've seen the Mets and their ownership and their front office try to sell fans on what could happen if everything goes well. And I remember the 2003 season in particular. I remember going to opening day. The Mets at Shea Stadium brought this young lady who is now my wife with me in a freezing cold, less than 20 degrees outside. And the Mets lost something along the lines of like 13 to 2 or something like that. Tom Glavin's first game as a Met. The Mets got blown out. It was never close. And I remember staying there until the end. The next day, the Mets go out there and they beat the Cubs. And the thought is, well, they added Cliff Floyd. They added Tom Glavin. If things work out the best that they possibly can, maybe this Mets team will be competitive. And we know the standards aren't, weren't always that low. But we know that they've never been high to a point where you say that this team is beyond talented. Maybe you have to go back to, I don't know, maybe 2009, 2008, 2007. The last time you felt that the Mets had amongst the best teams in all of Major League Baseball. This offseason right now, there's no excuse for it. And you're already starting to see some excuses being thrown out there. And I'm telling you, I'm honest with it. I would like to be proven wrong about James McCann. I don't think he was a more, more than a marginal upgrade at the position. Now, I like that he quotes the Bible. I like that he claims to work harder than anybody that goes out there on that football field. I mean, that baseball field. I totally understand that he's going to give every last bit of what he's got. I question whether he's going to make that big of an impact on this New York Mets baseball team. JT Realmuto is the catcher I would have gone out there and got. Now I'm going to watch JT Realmuto probably play with the Phillies, probably play with the Nationals, play the Mets however many times during the regular season. And I'm going to compare JT Realmuto to James McCann. And like I said, I hope I hit a point in the 21 season or beyond where we're talking about how good James McCann has been for the Mets, how he really has elevated his game and become one of the best catchers in baseball. And when that happens, which I hope it does because I'm rooting for it to happen, I will apologize for these comments now. Now, if you want to just stick at James McCann and say I'm being a negative Nancy, the Mets have already made the impression that they're backing off on Trevor Bauer. They're interested in Jake Gautarisi. They're interested in the Japanese pitcher, which looks like the Japanese pitcher is going to be pretty good. This guy looks like he's got a ton of talent. I don't know if he's going to necessarily be the next Masahiro Tanaka, but I think he's probably the second best starting pitcher on the market. I would rate him a little bit higher 
than Jake Odorisi. And I apologize for the inconvenience now. I'm seeing if I can find the guy's name. Apparently, I'm not. But the point is, is if the Mets are trying to dominate the second tier of free agents, I don't know if you're going to get the impression that they're the best team or they look like the best team in the National League coming into this season. And this is what I'm expecting. And I'm sorry that I'm you know, riveting up my expectations to be a lot higher than what most fans might want to. I expect when you have an owner that's worth more than anybody else in Major League Baseball and he's swooped in and in a heartbeat bought in the New York Mets team where there's nothing that's going to hold him back from being able to do that, I expect to feel coming into spring training that this is not the best team in the National League East, not the best team in the National League, but let me say it, the best team in Major League Baseball because I expect that team to dominate the free agent market when no other team in baseball is in a position where they didn't lose millions and millions of dollars. Steve Cohen paid off the debt. Steve Cohen bought out the Wilpons after a season where Major League Baseball lost almost $3 billion. So you know what I want to hear? I want to hear that the Mets are in the best position and should be targeting every player, should be in the Bauer sweepstakes, should be in the George Springer sweepstakes, should be at the top of the battle to get Liam Hendricks. And I don't think it should be considered unreasonable that the Mets can't make this offseason without the additions of Springer and Bauer and Hendricks and a trade for Francisco Lindor. This should be an offseason like none other in the history of the New York Mets franchise. And while that's what I asked for as a fan who's followed his team for 33 years, I could settle for less than that. I could settle for the maximum effort being put out there to sign these free agents. And if you miss on one of them, that's fine. If you get Springer and you miss out on Bauer and you, you get the, you know, Autorisi and then you get Hendricks and then you make the trade for Francisco Lindor, I think that's a hell of an offseason. And in a division in the National League East where the Braves are going to continue to be good, the Phillies, David Dombrowski's there, so I don't think they're going to tank this year. I think they're going to have a surprisingly better offseason than we would have anticipated because I don't think Dave Dombrowski likes to lose. The Washington Nationals let their honeymoon end after winning a World Series championship in 2019. You're damn right they're coming after the NL East in 2021. And are we going to forget about the Marlins because it was a 60-game season last year? They made the postseason for the first time since 2003. And good for them. There's four other teams in the NL East that are going to beat the Mets if they're not going to set themselves up to want to be the best. And this is an opportunity set up like none other 
every team in Major League Baseball is facing considerable losses because of the pandemic and a shortened season and no fans last year. The Mets and Steve Cohen have absorbed none of it. They have the ability to dominate the free agent market. They have the ability to put the best player they possibly can at every position in their roster. And if they don't do it, shame on them. Because I think this is a huge opportunity that they may be passing up by trying to get too cute and saying, oh, well, Trevor Bauer may not want to sign right now. Let me go out there and sign somebody that's a little bit less talented. I look at a rotation with Jacob DeGrom and Marcus Stroman and Trevor Bauer, and I say, how do you top that in baseball? This is That would be a rotation to win playoff series. And you throw Noah Syndergaard in the mix, coming back from Tommy John surgery. And you want to say bullpens, you add Liam Hendricks, to a bullpen that has Trevor May and Sugar Diaz. And you talk about the other arms, which probably have questions. The Familias, the Brad Brocks, the Dellen Batances, the Miguel Castros, all quality arms. But you know, you can catch lightning in a bottle with even one of them. You're going to be fine. I think this is the Mets' opportunity to dominate this offseason. And if they don't do it, if I come back, if we come back to spring training, whenever it starts, and I start to see a little bit to be desired, where the Mets, hey, they could be good if everything clicks, and I don't get that definitive feeling that there's no doubt that this is the best team in the National League. The only thing that could screw it up is the players. The only thing that could screw it up is management from the front office down to the manager on the field. That's what I want to feel as a sports fan. And the Mets have an opportunity that nobody else has in baseball. And if they want to nickel and dime it when they have more resources than anybody, shame on them. So last thing I wanted to talk about, you had the NBA getting started. Um, the Brooklyn Nets and the Warriors. Kevin Durant facing his old team. You got the Lakers and Clippers, which, you know, the problem I have with the NBA it's just the fact that I can't stay up until midnight to watch the end of the game. Clippers beat the Lakers. I don't think that means anything. But I do think you're talking about two of the top teams in the Western Conference. Particularly if James Harden's going over to the East. Because I think James Harden and the Houston Rockets, with John Wall and with the supporting cast there, is good enough to win a lot of regular season games. And that means that the Rockets could be a three-seed or a two-seed or something like that in the Western Conference with Harden. But if Harden gets traded, likely to the Eastern Conference, which is where he wants to go, I think that opens the door to the Lakers and the Clippers. And you look at a little bit of Denver, a little bit of Dallas, a little bit of a couple other teams, but mostly it's the Lakers' conference to lose. Now, the NBA did a very powerful thing. So did the NHL, deciding to put their teams in a bubble-like setting for the playoffs last year. And it doesn't seem like it was that long ago when there was postseason basketball. The NBA Finals, 
the Los Angeles Lakers winning the NBA championship over the Miami Heat. But the bubble setting worked. There were zero cases of the coronavirus amongst players that were there. There were a couple instances of players leaving. A player maybe here and there would opt out and decide not to play. But the NBA decided to go with a little bit of a later start and a decision to play games in teams, home, hubs, and home cities. Now, I think it would be good if there's fans in the arenas. I mean, I'm watching the Barclays Center in New York City with no fans. You're watching a Staples Center in Los Angeles with no fans. And I understand it's for the safety of everybody. But there's no advantage for a team playing at home with no fans. I think it would make some sense to consider a bubble-like setting. Now, are the players going to get the coronavirus vaccine? Because that's what I'd like to hear. I mean, I'd like to hear everybody in the general public is going to get it soon. I mean, unfortunately, the unveiling of the vaccine and the fact that there's so many hundreds of, you know, a couple hundred million people here in the United States of America, it's going to be hard to get that virus, that vaccine out to everybody. And it, it begs the question, who should get the preferential treatment? Who should get it first? We understand that, you know, the hospital workers, the first responders, those that are putting their lives on the line should be the ones that should be vaccinated first. And then there'll be a dispute. Is it people in the spotlight, people in the entertainment world? Is it important enough for them to be seen for them to be healthy when they're seen or watched and followed? I don't know. The general public, you know, John Q. Worker. He wants to go to work. He wants to generate his income and he wants to go back home. Is that person more deserving of the vaccine than somebody is in the spotlight because you know their name? But I didn't want to get into this because... The vaccine is the vaccine. Think about it. There's going to be, what, 40% of people that are going to refuse to take the vaccine because they don't want to be told what to do. Those are the same people that they're not going to wear a mask because they don't want to be told what to do. But like I said, I don't want to get into these issues because I, I don't care enough about it. What I do care about when it comes to the world of sports, is it safe for the players to play home games in their own city when they have no advantage because there's no fans there. When you've watched, and it may not necessarily have to be Florida because Florida is a little bit of a high risk situation with the coronavirus right now as we speak, but could they benefit from having a couple areas where there are games being played? You keep all the players together. Of course, it's an inconvenience to the players but if there's no spread of the virus, then we'll keep things status quo. We'll keep them the way they are. A little bit of a recap of the show today. And as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Alwish's Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Jets fans, 
that rooted for your team to lose got what you deserve. And, you know, I believe in God. I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I think he, when it comes to all types of different things, he humbles those that need to be humbled every day. And even when it comes to something as small as being a sports fan, you root for your team to win. You may get frustrated. You may get to a point where you're ambivalent. You don't really care. You could grow full apathy mode where you could really care less whether your team wins or loses because things look so bad. But you never, you never, in my tug speedman as simple jack voice, you never go full simple jack. You never root for your favorite team to lose. And I don't have any sadness and disappointment for any Jets fan that may not get to see Trevor Lawrence as their starting quarterback. Football players don't have it in them to tank. There's so many different reasons that football players cannot not give 100%. It's going to impact their employment status. It could impact their life. So shame on all those fans that rooted for the Jets to lose. And I don't get to say this too often. I couldn't be any happier that the Jets won last Sunday. And let me throw in the fact that I'm not a Jets fan. I was happy that the Jets won. Spoke a little bit about the prospects of the New York Mets offseason this year. I think they should set themselves up to have to be the team to beat. We talk about winning the offseason and how that comment can be tapered a little bit. You say you, you want to win the World Series. You don't want to win the offseason. The Mets have an opportunity to address every need that they have on their roster. They have an owner that's worth more than anybody in the entirety of sports. They should be able to get the top player at each position that they have of need. And if they choose not to do that, it's a great opportunity that they're passing up. Did the NBA make a mistake by not having bubble cities as it starts its new NBA season? We'll find out over time. And once again, for those celebrating Festivus, if I wanted to celebrate some random holiday that some dude just came up with, I'd make up my own. We'll be back with you Saturday, the day after Christmas. So Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah to everybody out there. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.